Hey guys, this week we have Janet Varney from The Legend of Korra. She is from You're the Worst, and she's also from Stan Against Evil, starring John C. McGinley. Great episode, awesome guest. Here it is. Hey everybody, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. Uh, this week... Our guest is Janet Varney. Janet, welcome. Thank you so much. I love horrible movies, and I uh, I also love good movies. Listen, I know that's a shock to many people, uh, but I do. Okay, so you have, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, you have many irons in many fires. Would you say that? I, I look at your work on the different things that you do. Do you, do you ever, and I've said this before on the show to people, do you kind of ever take a day off or are you just always working? Uh, oh, for sure. I, I definitely do. Well, huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just reminded myself of someone on set. Um, this is now I'm immediately launching into a story, but do it. Uh, do it. My, 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 my good friend and boss, Dana Gould and yes. I have an inside joke now that I'm going to share with you, which is mm-hmm. that when we were shooting this uh, second season of stand against evil, um, where I play a demon battling sheriff who gets a lot of gooey demons mm-hmm. exploded on her a lot. Um, <laughs> we were doing uh, something where um, the, our, our, our special effects guru, Bob Shelley, who's like, it's kind of like if Ross Perot had become a special effects <laughs> artist, like he really, that's what I, I mean, that's like a safe thing to picture. He's not oh. quite that. And I'm sure that would hurt his feelings, but kind of, he is that. So, yeah. um, but more, but like slightly less like, jumping up and down energy um much a little more mellow than that but anyway in every other way just picture that and so in this case dana actually because he plays a character on the show too was just covered in this sort of lube type Uh substance yep and uh (laughs) and as we were finishing the scene and 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 dana was kind of like walking away he goes like oh hey bob um this will just come out with soap and water right and bob goes oh yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> well and then and just the well like that's the last thing you ever want your special effects person to say like oh bob this isn't gonna blow my hand off right oh no 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 well, well so, that is a very uh, ross that's, perot that's, thing to that's say what I, that's what i just did when you said do you ever take a day off i was like oh, of course i do well um maybe not. uh i i you know i think that's the tough thing about um the most awesome uh, thing in my career, which is that I, you know, I do get to do a lot of my own stuff and I get to, you know, work with friends and, and write and perform and, and record and all that kind of great stuff. Um, but so much of it is, uh, is self-generated. And so, you know, like many, I guess, freelancers, um, and you guys probably know what I'm talking about too. It's like, Mm -hmm. and if you, if you have a job that a, you care about and B you have, you know, you're responsible to yourself as much as you're responsible to other people. Mm-hmm. It is harder to kind of turn that off and just totally check out and like just be mellow and have a day off. And um, and so in that way, I would say like I don't know that there's a day that that goes by that I don't touch some part of my work. I'm very very glad that it isn't literal irons in the fire because I'm very clumsy. So <laughs> if we went back to the days where it just meant that like I had a lot of literal irons in the fire, I would be horribly burned on like 95% of my body. Uh, 
So, and That's in awesome. fact, I'm glad that I don't even wear clothes that require ironing of the modern age. That is true. Um, <laughs> I do not iron clothes. I wouldn't trust myself to do it. Uh, I like a steamer. I like a portable That's steamer. Awesome. Um but uh but yeah so so that's that's the long answer is is i don't know that i'm <laughs> great at just totally taking a day off but i also feel like i love so much of what i do that it, it doesn't phase me the same way it would if i were you know an accountant and i just had to work oh, on people's taxes seven brutal. days a week that, that to me would be brutal you uh you, i mean you don't really feel like it's work then it sounds like you're describing your your i say your job your job is a just being creative, right? So, I mean, in a lot of ways. So, uh, you're describing yeah, it as it's not a really being a job. job, right? So, I'm a total hermit when I'm not working on stuff gotcha. uh, with other people because I'm. I feel like I get to hang out with people I admire and love um, whenever I get you know go to work or do a podcast episode mm-hmm. or you know anything like that. So, um, that's the other secret is like don't don't do anything social outside of (laughs) outside of the work you're doing uh for the most part because you know if i'm going if i go do a thrilling adventure hour show for example you know i just feel like i've hung out with you know 10 of my friends and then somehow they will all still like they'll you know sometimes people will be like and now we're gonna go to this bar afterwards and i'm like but wait we already hung out yeah (laughs) yeah and that's when i go home and sleep so that's part of it too is i don't have like a rip roaring social life um uh because i feel like i'm you know i get so much of that from from work you're kind of on when you're at work so yeah what's uh what's the type of project that would that drives you creatively like uh, if you're gonna s- sum up a type of project maybe a perfect the perfect type of project what would be something that would drive you creatively mm. that's a great question um i mean i think something that has uh absurdity to it something that ha- <laughs> but that still has like honesty um something that like tickles me you know I really like I realize when I when I work on stuff that makes me laugh a lot of the time the stuff that makes me laugh the hardest is um followed by me being like that's so dumb (laughs) um so apparently I really like dumb stuff but I've also I sort of crack I think I cracked the code on that because because then I was like but do I love dumb stuff because there is also stuff that I you know respond to and I'm like ugh, that's so dumb you know and there's no laughter involved right so what's the secret and I think maybe it's like really smart people who choose to be dumb somehow (laughs) like there's something about that that appeals to me like like smart 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 dumb yeah smart 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 dumb i think i i think i like dumb silly stuff but i like knowing that the people who are being dumb and silly are also brilliant Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think maybe that's the winning combo for me cool um what about okay so riff tracks i'm a huge i am a huge fan of riff tracks and just nice mst3k in general like obviously this is the horrible movie podcast so that that goes in to that because i just think horrible movies are really funny to me and we we've done um some that are just obvious kind of b movie type you know movies and then we've done some where where we've talked about titanic being horrible so you know it's just (laughs) it's just a large there's a large swath that you know it's it's subjective you know that sort of thing sure how did you um uh is there first of all is there a horrible movie you've done on riff tracks or a movie just in general that you've done on riff tracks that you could tell the audience about that you're like this is why this movie was horrible or 
uh, yeah. or is, is good that it was done on riff tracks. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of things. Number one, I so desperately wish that you were going to be at New York Comic Con because mm. Dana Gould and I have been doing this um, these live readings of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, yeah. That Dana has essentially written the sort of stage directions for. So there's like... Um, <laughs> There's there's a sort of um, commentary happening just in his description of what's happening. Cool. Uh, and then all these comedians and actors are reading these these roles, and it's the script. This you know the actual dialogue uh, of the actors is completely unchanged, but his description of kind of what's happening, where you sort of have that God voice that's you know a narrator talking mm-hmm. about what you're seeing, mm-hmm. uh, is hysterical. And we've just had some amazing guests reading stuff, and uh, we're going to be doing it in in New York with John Hodgman and Adam Savage and Michael Ian Black and Scott Adsit. And uh, it's just going to be insane. And it one of the things that's so brilliant about that terrible movie is it's just brilliant. Like, it's brilliantly bad. Yes. Like, he, 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 he put so much love. Ed Wood put so much love and and... Like you can just tell he just was so tender about this movie that he wrote and made. And it's and so the way that it's bad is like, oh no, this is so bad, you know, but you sort of feel affection towards it. And it's and and there are these shimmering little gems of almost brilliance that also don't really work. So yeah. it's just very it's a very specific again, it's like what's the recipe there? But yeah. there's something so special about that one that you know it, it, it because for me that's kind of it right is like you want it to be bad and you want it to have some quality that you can't take your eyes off or it's just boring right, right? you want you don't want it to be boring bad although arguably mst3k and and mystery you know and, and riff tracks can yeah. make anything boring interesting Absolutely. just by making it funny but um so that's one thing that I that I wanted to say is you know Plan Nine to me is is real close to the top of the list of all time great horrible movies, it, and uh, and I've come to know it intimately uh, now reading the <laughs> kind of two main female parts in it, but um but I you know well one of them that's on my mind you know Cole Stratton and I um, when we started getting asked to we first wrote for the guys and then they asked us if we wanted that's to start cool. doing right. our own as they created Rift Tracks Presents and it was a total you know dream come true that it was like cool, how yeah. has this happened you know um and uh and and so we liked picking movies that you know if, if for those people who aren't familiar with uh with our particular riff tracks presents you'll see a lot of kind of you know 80s early 90s movies a lot of them are ones that we all kind of love and they're Foot, not Loose necessarily dirty, bad like dirty Polter- dancing yeah 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 like you know poltergeist is a gr- i think it's a great movie so it's not like we picked something that we thought uh, not every movie we've picked across the board do we think is terrible, um, but there's still opportunity in there to you know poke fun at it and and have a laugh or two. Um, but the but the one that's on my mind right now because I just rewatched the movie that started all of the terrible sequels um, is the very brilliant Jaws, um, and so uh, so that's so Jaws three is fresh in my mind because it's just it's just so bad and. It was it was really fun to write about, and I mean, having someone. It's always nice when you have a really bad movie that 
is old enough that people, you know, maybe haven't seen it or they don't remember like, oh, no, Dennis Quaid is the star, you know, and <laughs> um, and it just and like it, it's great when a movie is a sequel off of something that is so brilliant because yes. you again, you see those hints. You're like, oh, yeah, like the whole movie reminds you of how good Jaws is yes. <laughs> because it's Jaws adjacent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh but jo- by jaws three uh, pun intended here but it had jumped the shark by jaws three right it, it, jumped, it, it, it jumped itself it jumped it itself jumped somehow itself. um okay so uh follow me here on this uh on this path here okay so your podcast the jv club all right you host yeah. it it's awesome um you have there's a web series escape that you're the host of yeah and then you did dinner in a movie on tbs you're the host. All ho- those things are true. You're really good at hosting things. I mean, you have a knack for hosting things. What do you attribute that ability to? Is there just a natural ingrain- inborn thing? Is it a, a thing from your improv background? What What can you attribute your your hosting ability to? Gosh, I, I've never had anyone ask me that. To be honest with you, uh, I, I and I, I guess I don't totally know because when I got dinner in a movie, I had not. I mean, that was one of my very first jobs. Although, oh, now that I think about it, hang on. Yeah. I do remember now that I shot a horrible, I say with total love, I didn't want to pilot bring, I didn't want to bring, in yeah. San Francisco. Okay. God, I forgot about this. Um, yeah, when I was living in San Francisco, I wasn't doing any anything for quite some time to do with theater or comedy or anything like that. And in fact, I had never done anything like I done a bunch of theater and was a theater major but I had never done improv or sketch or anything like that Uh until um I was in my early 20s and then someone a friend of mine you know a couple of friends of mine started a sketch group and they kind of muscled me into it even though I was very reluctant and nervous about it and so I had not I had not applied like I think I was you know a pretty goofy kid and a goofy person but I had never joined that necessarily with like straight up performance and I think it was that kind of fear of failure thing where you're like yeah well people tell you that you're funny and then what if you try to be funny and then you're not funny anymore I right. think I was sort of afraid of that um and so uh so I really hadn't been doing anything and then some w- once I was doing the sketch show uh with my friends Dave and and Cole uh with whom I started SF Sketch Fest and then our friend Gabe Diani who I still work with and who's a wonderful filmmaker now um I, I that's when I sort of started like I remember Cole had an agent and he was like what are you doing like you're doing the why aren't you auditioning for stuff stuff happens in, in San Francisco there's commercials there's voiceover uh-huh. and so I think he really um, like he introduced me to his agent and they started sending me out on stuff and, and, and I ended up getting this, this like kind of, you know, pilot from like some great East coast guys who were funny, but were like also in finance and they just wanted to make something and they oh. were going to sell it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it was a movie review show and, okay. and they were just interviewing people to be panelists and, and then they they ended up asking me if I wanted to host it. So apparently the hosting skill uh, was baked in to me because I didn't have any experience doing that, but but they asked me to do it. And then I did end up, of course, getting dinner in a movie. I guarantee you they never saw that pilot or they never <laughs> would have offered <laughs> me dinner in a movie. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so the only thing I can attribute it to was probably just maybe like my dad. My dad is, oh, okay. a, he's just a, he's a, he was, he was an, uh, a senior English teacher for his awesome. entire career and it was incredibly entertaining and, um, <laughs> and inclusive and, you know, animated and, and, and really engaged the kids and stuff and, yeah. and he's just that he's very he's that kind of person and i think that's you know and he raised me and so i think um i probably got a lot of that just by virtue of being around him and kind of seeing how he moved through the world so absolutely that's that's a big part of it and then i think also like not taking yourself very seriously i mean i think those are those are my favorite host types right the people yeah. who clearly are self-effacing yep. who kind so of don't know what they're doing there <laughs> but they're glad to be there me and, too. Uh, that's me and, right now you know. what's that that's me, absolutely. You know right what now. I mean, guys. <laughs> you host a podcast, so you you're already right there with me. Yeah. Um. There's just something, you know. It's like I think it's it's. Uh, I don't want to see somebody who feels like, like I I wanted to, that that's. I think if you if you're when you're when you're a good host, it's just because you're inclusive and you can imagine the people on the other side of the camera who right. are just right there with you, and you guys are all kind of the same. I don't want to watch a host that is like constantly giving you the feeling of like you're welcome yes. that you're watching me <laughs> like, <laughs> like game like some game my, show, like I'm, a game gi- show I'm giving you this gift of my presence yeah um okay so janet phil over here has a couple uh, i want to just chat you up a little bit about uh legend of Korra. is that cool yeah my dad's name is phil so i'm just gonna pretend like you're my dad the whole time is that creepy okay. no, no that's totally fine with me okay great uh, just don't call me dad um that would be a little weird Cool, Dad. Sorry. I mean, Bill. Right. I mean, What's Dad. Happening? I mean, sorry. Okay. What's going on? Totally. Right Great. Now? Um, so <laughs> when I heard that we were having you on, I got really excited because my wife and I, uh, we just had a, a kid last year and we're getting ready to show her like animated stuff here in, in the next year or two. But um, one of the first shows we want to show her is The Legend of Korra. Just, it's one of our favorite shows. It's one of my favorite animated shows of all time and uh, got her to watch oh. it. And she she never watches anything like this stuff, but she it immediately fell in love with your character and the other characters on the show. And um, I think like between The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, like The Legend of Korra is my is my more favorite show and then like your character i think is obviously the the heart of the show um how did you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in that i mean it was there like an interview i mean a like a casting call Audition? type of yeah um yeah. type of thing or like are, were they familiar with some other things that you had done like tell us about the process of getting involved in an animated series like that Sure, sure. I don't. I can't speak for Mike and Brian, but I seriously doubt they had that much exposure to other stuff I've done. I could be wrong about that, but you know, sometimes you do go in and someone says right off the top, like, "Oh, I loved you in Burning Love," or you know, they they have a thing that they that they that they like you from, and and now in many circumstances, that is the Legend of Korra. You know, that's become one of the things that people um, will bring will bring up if if I'm up for another job or something, but. Um, but no, it was it was a, just a, a whole casting process. You know, I a bunch of people were, I would say, seen for it. I guess they were heard for it, but they were also seen because Nickelodeon's great in that that they frequently bring people into the studio to audition um, so that you can get feedback directly from Nickelodeon casting, which is a little unusual for a lot of voiceover auditions. Most voiceover auditions, people just record from their agency or they, in 
more often than not now, I think people record from home. I know I do, but you miss that feedback, right? You miss that kind of initial direction and you miss the feedback. And so I really appreciate that Nickelodeon, um, does these casting sessions where people come in and they're able to say, you know, in the moment, like, well, maybe try it a little bit more like this. Uh, and so I think the first, the first part of the process was just getting called in with, you know, I mean, I don't know. I would assume hundreds of people get seen for, I know they, that hundreds of people get seen for on-camera stuff. So, um, I would assume that all, that a ton of people were, were brought in for, for something like this that had already been picked up for, you know, to go to series. So there was maybe a little more pressure to, to find the right folks, but, and I'm really building all this up. Like, and then they found me King Arthur when yeah. I pulled the sword <laughs> of the stone. Uh, it's more just baffling to me because I am so in awe of the, of like every voiceover actor I've ever worked with that I, I don't really know how I got so lucky, but, um, and so, yeah, it was a process. There was like a callback process and, you know, a, a session with Mike and Brian and uh, the creators of the show. And then there was a chemistry test. And all of this was kind of spread out over enough time that you really just, you know, just when you have finally put to rest the idea that you could possibly be moving forward on it, you would get a call saying like, and now they want to chemistry test you. And you'd be like, oh, man, I kind of thought this was over. Now I'm scared again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and so they did do a chemistry test and, and, and I definitely, you know, remember, uh, PJ, it was PJ and David and me that, that, that they were chemistry testing those kind of three principal characters for season one. And, and it was just a great, it was a great experience and I couldn't believe when I got it and I couldn't believe when we started recording and I just kind of kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I've never been more afraid of being fired from a job than I was of, from, <laughs> from that. I I don't usually carry that fear around with me, but that was really one where I just kept thinking, uh, what if they like, they could always decide they've made a mistake. Right. <laughs> surely, surely they can, this is all recorded. So maybe it can't cost that much to just re-record it with <laughs> someone else. You know. <laughs> um, so I sort of kept waiting for that to happen and, and, and that, I guess that kept it very exciting and, you know, uh, nerve wracking in, in a way, um, up through the process of it being then released to the public. Cause then I was nervous for a totally different reason, which was like, okay, well now, you know, it seems like Nickelodeon and Mike and Brian and that whole team is, they don't feel they've made a mistake, but now what if everyone in the fandom thinks like, what is, what is, who is this person and why does she get to do this voice? So, uh, it was, it was really nice and reassuring when the show came out and, and the feedback was so great. Um, but I never, you know, I never got over that. I'm still not over it. I'm not over how lucky I've been. And I do as many Comic-Con kind of type appearances as I can, because, um, because it's, it's, was it, it opened up this totally new experience for me in my, on, in my work life where I was getting to interact with fans and hear their stories and, and hear, you know, about what the show meant to them. And, and obviously I didn't create the show. So I just sort of feel like I'm an ambassador for Mike and Brian and, and for Nickelodeon. But, um, but it's, it's really fun. It's really fun to engage that way. And, you know, if it weren't, if it weren't a show I didn't think was the best thing in the world, I probably wouldn't have that interest in doing it. But, because I agree with the fans that it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, I'm able to, you know, I really, I like those interactions. And, and so that's kept it alive for me in a, in a way that I never would have known was possible when we started recording the first season, you know? You talked about chemistry with the other actors, and obviously that's key when you're trying to build this world and the relationships between them and stuff like that. Where, when you were recording for the actual episodes, were you interacting with them in the same room like I, obviously you're all standing behind microphones and stuff like that but are you guys 
feeding off each other's energy or i mean is some of that recorded separate separate from each other or yeah um, for the most part um again this is like a cool nickelodeon thing because i don't think everybody does this but they love having the actors in a room together and they they really feel that there's value to that so they worked very very hard to make sure that they could get as many people in the episode uh together in a room as possible and so you know that wasn't always possible there would be times where someone needed to read you know um you know, uh, Anne Heche's lines because she was off shooting a movie or, you know, Seychelles if she was shooting um, uh, in Vancouver. But even with Seychelles, like they really, you know, worked hard to make sure that she could be there so that that the four of us could interact because she was such a huge part of the show as well. And JK would be in-house and, you know, Maria Bamford. So uh, those those were definitely big, great, recording sessions and um and I think it does make a difference because yeah although you are just facing a microphone and you're all facing the same direction you still are getting something organic from the experience of of being able to act alongside those other voices that I think you don't get otherwise yeah um every so often on the show there's like a guest actor like whether it's a known actor or maybe not so known actor but they only come in for like one episode or two episodes or you know maybe four or five um do you have like a favorite i mean i I know you probably don't want to call anyone your favorite necessarily but um like when you heard that so and so he or she was coming on the show Mm -hmm. you got really excited to work with them just for that one time thing Oh my gosh. I, there, like every season was jam packed with people like that. I couldn't believe how many people Mike and Brian would get. And it was, it felt so weird. I remember when Lisa Edelstein started, um, I, I was, she, she, I didn't, I think I didn't know that she was doing the show. Um, and so when she pulled in, Next to me, as I was getting out of my car and said hello, I totally was like, oh my God, that's Lisa Edelson because I loved House. And I was like, oh my God, I love her. I love her. And I'd loved her before that as well. Um, And so, and then we were sort of continuing to walk in the same direction all the way into the room to do a table read. And, uh, and I sort of realized like, oh wait, she's on this show. And then it was, and then again, you never get over like that person who's so much more famous and, and, you know, awesome and been around <laughs> longer than you. And then you realize like, Oh wait, I'm the star of this show. But then it never, that still doesn't feel like anything. It still feels like anyway, it's really amazing that you're here right now. Um, uh, so she was one. And then Lance Henriksen was a huge one for me. Gary Cole was a huge one for me. Um, obviously Henry Rollins, like everyone so was cool, like yeah. so yeah. psyched and nervous and, and, and <laughs> excited. And, um, uh, and then, um, God, there were just so many like that. Those were those were some big ones. Uh, I definitely was excited about Gary Cole because I just think he's so brilliant and great. And um, Stephen Root, another one, someone I already knew before, but just am in awe of. And I just think he's so amazing. So having him do a thing here and there, you know, there were just there really were tons of those. So yeah, I can't pick a favorite only because um, I can't even believe the caliber of talent that that the show got. But that's a handful of ones that popped right into my head. Yeah. What, what a treat to act with all, alongside all those people. That's, I mean, that's going to oh, be really yeah. fun. Um, how did they, like when you, obviously they, you're helping to create this character, obviously, you know, Mike and Brian are, are writing the character and, and, you know, shaping who she's going to become over the multiple seasons that you had for the show. But uh, obviously every actor kind of brings some uh, involvement into shaping this 
character that no one's ever heard of. So when they, when you first came on, how were they describing the idea of Cora to you? Like when they were describing her personality traits and her backstory and stuff like that, uh, what, what did you come in with? And then how did that evolve? Like, how were you involved in the, in the, um, you know, the, the changing of that character over time? Well, I think, unfortunately, that's probably a better question for Mike and Brian, because, um, I'm always too afraid to assume that I had any participation in that. Um, sure. Because I, I, I just admire them so much. I mean, I freaked out when we were doing a Dark Horse comic book uh, reading and panel that um, that Mike was on with me when he was talking about writing the the books, which have since the first one has come out and it t- picks up right where the last uh, episode of Legend of Korra left off. And it's beautifully illustrated. Irene too is this phenomenal artist who just does this amazing, amazing work. And when Mike said, you know, well, as I was writing it, I was trying to, you know, I was like, imagine like, okay, well, what would Janet say? Like, how would Janet say this? And I lost my mind as if I had never worked with him for six years or whatever. You know, I was just like, what you, what? Oh my gosh. So, um, <laughs> So I, again, like there's an, a surreality to it, but, uh, but I would say that, um, I mean, I can answer the part of about coming in with, I think they were, you know, they were just like, look, you know, this is somebody who, um, is, you know, it has a little bit, is a little bit too big for our britches, but there's, there's some, there's some naivety and like, Um, fear underneath all of that that she's kind of covering with you know showmanship and like you know sarcasm and stuff and um and she's you know she's very flawed like those are the things that I really responded to and and took and and I think hopefully used to the advantage of the show early on because that's you know that's something I can really relate to that's sort of how I am and when I was I've, I've said this before but um I think I don't I don't know that I was consciously doing this but when I when I think back on that first season I think about the audition process I I sort of decided later like oh I think I I think I had Christina Ricci as a teenager in my head um without even necessarily knowing that um but that was kind of the vibe as a sort of like there's this movie she was in called The Opposite of Sex that I just think is such a great movie and she's so great in it and it really, it really captures that kind of like suit, like a little too smart for her own good teenager who's, you know, kind of making a lot of mistakes, but sort of acting like she's, you know, she's on top of it. And that's, and that's, I think, uh, that's, that was like really infused throughout the first season. I, I imagine I'm not a teenage girl, but I imagine that what I, what I, I'm not You're what I, I I'm sorry. Wait that's a, a minute, shock. that's a surprise to all of you. This changes this <laughs> dynamic so much, Phil. Uh, I, ma- I imagine a lot of teenage girls probably um, watch the show, or maybe even preteen girls watch the show and kind of get some of that inspiration from from Cora, um, just because she is that like not an adult, but living having to live in an adult world and you know come. Um, face all these challenges that most girls her age wouldn't have to deal with even in that universe. So, um, I, I think it's like, we have a daughter. So like our, our child is a daughter. So like, I'm excited for her to watch the show and then kind of, you know, learn some lessons and kind of be inspired by, by her. So, 
Um, I love that she's not even a year old. If I'm, if I remember what you said right, and you're already thinking about showing her like a semi-violent <laughs> show where someone yeah. gets like electrocuted and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you guys might have to wait more than a year or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. can start it with the Last Airbender. That one's a little less scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll work up to Legend Cora. Um, I have one last question. If Jack will allow it here, uh, um, I will. I will allow it. I, if, our, if Janet will allow it. After uh, the, I will go with Judge Jack. I judge uh, okay. Judge Jack has allowed this, uh, yes. so I'm fine with it. Excellent. You may ask a and question as long as it's uh, <laughs> as long as it's never mind. All right, continue. I, I objection, to... objection! You're on too many qualifications. Overruled. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to end with just kind of a funny, um, silly kind of question. And I don't know if you've gotten this question before. Anyone that's in some kind of an animated role where there's a lot of, like you said, violence in the show, um, there's those little grunts and uh, like martial arts style. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, so hard. You know, They're so hard. Like, uh, I mean, Cora will just get just flat hit in the face sometimes. I, I love that. Yeah. One of my favorite, I was telling Jack before the show, one of my favorite scenes from the first season is the second episode where she has to uh, practice airbending by kind of flowing through those spinning oh, yeah. tiles. It's one of my favorite episodes. That 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 part is so funny, and she just and she just gets hit over and over and over again. These yeah. little ki- little kids, like these small little girls, are like going through it flawlessly, and well, then yeah. she, she yeah. as a teenager just can't handle it. Your daughter will as well. Yeah, I'm yeah sure. exactly. It seems she as though she will. Yeah. Um, so like, how are those recorded? Like, I, I, I wouldn't even begin to understand like how you would just go into the, like, do you just have a day where it's just like martial arts day and you just do like four hours of grunts and groans and hi-yahs and stuff like that? Or like, how does that work? Yeah. First of all, great question. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, those, those are principally done after the, sh- the, after the episode's been, had been roughly animated. Um, so while everything else is recorded first and they animate to our voices, uh, those are easier to do backwards, right? So wow. those are easier okay. where I go in and I have to match what's happening on the screen, which is always really exciting because that's the first time you get to see any of the animation is when you're doing this ADR stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and so, yeah, and that's, and when people ask me, like, what's the hardest thing about recording the show, I think, like, people, like, the way in which that's asked um, suggests that people expect my answer to be, you know, oh, well, the really hard stuff is the emotional stuff, because, you know, I'm just in this room with a microphone in front of me, you know, how I'm gonna catch, capture, like, what's really happening in the show, and that stuff's easy peasy, it's the, it's the, it's the, f- the fighting. And I think still to this day, I mean, you're doing it in front of, you know, your music stand with your script in front of you. And because I'm uh, principally an on-camera actor, I, I really feel like I need to have physicality to do that stuff. I don't, I haven't trained myself the way most really great voice actors who only or you know almost only do voice stuff um do they can just make stuff happen that i don't even it's like magic i don't know how they're making the noises they're making and uh, and so i have to i would be careful because sometimes like if i was you know i would like accidentally let like a punch fly and it, like knock them music i mean it was terrible it was so goofy um and to this day i think the hardest that was another question i got recently at a panel i did in uh, at dragon con in atlanta uh, last weekend someone said you know what um is there anything that you look back on and think you could have done differently? And I, and I, I said, I don't, there's nothing that I would know how to do differently or have done better, but I'm still uncomfortable. Like I'm still embarrassed when I think about 
myself having to make the sound of someone like falling off a cliff and landing because how do I know what that sounds like? Like, I've never fallen (laughs) off a cliff and landed with a thud. You know what I mean? So those are, those are the moments where you really, it does, you have to overcome embarrassment Uh. because this is never going to feel normal. <laughs> like that's never gonna feel. You're never gonna feel like you're actually falling off a cliff and landing. That so was Janet. That was selling pretty good. That is really hard. Janet, that was pretty good. Let's, let's I was sitting it. down. Let's I know it sounds like I fell off a really long cliff, like cartoon style, feet. but do it from about seventy-five feet. Yeah, can time. you do it with more terror in your voice? <laughs> that's closer. Let's get more maiming yeah. at the end. Oh man! <laughs> All right. All right. So so stand against evil. Um, is on yeah. the IFC network. It is, and it's on Hulu now too. The first and season is on I, Hulu. I've watched, I've watched it on Hulu, and Hulu is awesome. Um, Portlandia and uh, Marin and like, Documentary Now are on IFC network. This network is phenomenal. I love it. Yeah. Um, they awesome. really let people do what they brought them on to do, which They're is really just, cool. They don't muck around in it. They're like, we this is this is we know your voice. This is what this is the show you want to make. Make that show. Yeah. And okay, so so your character Evie Barrett is the new sheriff in town. How were you approached? Is it similar to the casting stuff from earlier to play this role, or were you kind of targeted as a person because you fit in that role very well? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is a this is a weird one to describe too. It also feels very weird to say. I much prefer it when Dana says it. Um, but I guess he <laughs> he wrote it for me. That's so cool. Uh, wow. He wrote it with me in mind, and 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 that is that is not always a thing that works out in this business. And I I have had it work out the opposite way, where someone writes something for me, and then they're like, "Can't we get you know Catherine Heigl to do it? <laughs> uh, Why? Yeah, that kind of thing. Anyway, where you're like, sorry. oh boy. Um, so, so, so the fact that it all kind of worked the way that it did and I actually got to do it, uh, is, uh, is really, 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 um, very cool and shocking and a dream come true. Um, why he thought like, again, I, he'd never watched the legend of Korra that I know of. Um, you know, he knew me just from, we know each other from the comedy world There you go. and, okay. uh, and so why he, like when in in when we've done press together and stuff like i can't remember the first time he said this but my jaw just about dropped to the floor he was like you know i think janet's harrison ford she's the female harrison ford and i was like where have you been keeping this secret like what what where how did i give you that impression like what have i done and I feel like he was like, well, you know, you ride your bike everywhere. Like, whatever the reason was. <laughs> there you go. It was, and it was not justified to be given that tremendous yeah. compliment. And you're, you, so, you, what's because, do you call your bike the Millennium Falcon? Is that why? I, uh, I mean, I don't even call the Falcon. I mean, I call it yeah. the Enterprise. So I really don't know what was going there on. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Oh, God. I just thought to myself, how many Trekkies only rent cars from Enterprise? Um, <laughs> uh, so that's a, nothing. I've never thought of that before. Um, but, some, uh, yeah. But yeah, so he so he he wrote it for me. So I but I still had to audition for it. I had to audition oh, okay. for it. Um uh and I and I did and I and I got it. So um so yeah, that was a that was a total total dream. How pumped were you? Like were you like when you when you got oh, God, the I was, got the I was nod, so yeah. excited. I'm just like I yeah. What did you sell? Is that like a celebration scenario or we're jumping or we're 
spinning, kicking, I think flipping. I, well, I, when I got flipping? Cora, I was, ju- I was definitely jumping up and down. I was jumping up and down in a Joanne's Fabrics, um, which I don't think anyone has ever jumped up and down in a Joanne's Fabrics before. So I'm surprised it didn't like create a rift in the universe. Um, Did you get when a I text or Stan, a, a I think I was call? more relieved. Wait, okay. did what? Was it like a text or a phone call or like how did you? Or a my, crochet? My, my voiceover agent called me when I got, when I got Cora. Yeah. And I wow. answered the call. I was like picking out some like embroidery thread or something super tough <laughs> so like that good. um because i like to craft but uh but yeah but i think when i got stan to be honest with you it was more like uh it was more like um like relief not to say you did because it would just would have hurt so bad if i hadn't gotten it and so i don't even think i had room at the time for total joy i think i was just like oh god i'm so I'm so glad I don't have to have my heart shattered over this, you know? Um, and then, and then it just, and then, and then I think the excitement kind of built up as we got closer to shooting and then, and then being on set was, was insanely fun. It was very hard that first season, uh, because of, it was so hot and humid and we had a lot to do in a short period of time. And it was very, very physically taxing in a way that nothing I've ever done was. And that's sort of like the moment where you're like, Oh yeah. If you're like kind of spoofing an action mm-hmm. horror show, you're we're actually doing an action horror show <laughs> like all of those things those elements are still present you're not just sitting around as john, is john c mcginley just awesome he's amazing he's he's absolutely amazing he's uh he's a, he's like a force of nature and um and uh we we hit it off uh immediately and just had a really 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 great working relationship from the start so uh i'm very grateful for that because um he's just been so crazy supportive of of me and of doing the show and um and so we've we've had a really great time together that's cool so you're uh you're on you're the worst uh as becca you have a recurring role as becca right yeah she's she's a horrible human being just a horrible (laughs) human being um she's she of all the characters i think it's that's such a brilliant show and it's been it's one of those like little little shows that could that just keeps getting on the like the top 10 list of every television critic in the world so it's been we've just are finishing we're still shooting our fourth season and uh and uh and it just keeps getting better the the writing is superb and again it's one of those shows where the the point of view is so strong and fx just stepped back and let Stephen falk the creator and the, and the amazing writing team just do their thing and they let them cast who they wanted they weren't casting it full of a bunch of stars who you know were already on like well they were on that legal drama so clearly they're <laughs> we'll right pl- for this we'll plug them um, in. <laughs> yeah so so uh it's another one that just has like such a strong point of view and a personality and and I've been constantly amazed by the stuff they've come up with and how raw and honest and just brutally funny the show is. And uh, my character, I think, has the least redemptive qualities of of all the characters on the show. I sort of love and feel sorry for uh, every other character, but my character makes it very hard to care what happens to her. <laughs> and it, it probably is freeing to be able to play a character that's just kind of brutal and just kind of gets to do what they want, it's great. right? It's great. It's great. It's it's she is the most unlike me of any character I've ever played and and it's just a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well last last question here. Um, on this show, uh, we always ask people what have you been into lately? And this can be a television show that you watch, or maybe a book that you're reading, a game, maybe you're 
Maybe your trip to Joanne's. Maybe tell us about your trip to Joanne's. <laughs> well, listen, I have not been to, I've not set foot in Joanne's for quite some time. Uh, you have good luck when you go in there, though. I haven't had time. Yeah. I will say I did, the only, the, the only crafty thing, the really truly hardcore crafty thing that I did fairly recently was at the end of season one, I made um, Deborah Baker Jr., who who is on the show, is on Stand Against Evil with me. She and I were obsessed. In Atlanta, there's this um, series of things called Tiny Doors, Tiny Doors Atlanta, and it's artists that make these uh, tiny, you know, like one inch scale door situations where you're like out walking around and all of a sudden you look and on the side of the building, there's this tiny little door at the bottom and like some shrubbery and the little doormat. Like that's just this uh-huh, sort of strange, cool. wonderful, you know, it's just kind of magical thing that exists in Atlanta. And so I made her a, a, a box that had a tiny door on it and like, um, and then a little tiny, like I, I made, <laughs> I basically made a, a, a box where two tiny us's were standing in front of a doorway and then down below that is a really really tiny door like a one inch tall tiny door so um uh so I, I did that but the thing I've been into right now is um is the series of iPad games made by this company in Amsterdam called Rusty Lake okay uh they uh, they have a bunch of free games. Um, they're all ex- they're called Cube Escape. Now you know I love uh, ro- escape rooms. Yeah, absolutely. So these are like puzzle puzzle iPad games where you you know you're in this room and you have to solve. You find all these puzzles and you solve and you get out. And then they have two games you pay for that are far more complicated than that, called Rusty Lake Roots and Rusty Lake Hotel, I think. But if you like this like sort of dark like t- like. Like almost, it's not really like Tim Burton, but there's there's a really grim darkness to these games. Like, don't play these with your game with your kids because there's there's weird things where like they look very. Um, it's not. It's it's still kind of an odd type of animation, but you'll just you guys will have to just look it up to see. It's not like, but um, but okay, there, there's we're, we're there's a lot right of whimsy now. to it, and yeah. then but then like all of a sudden you'll have to saw someone's arm off. But Fun. anyway, <laughs> they're strange and weird, and I, ju- I just can't stop playing them. They're cool. very very addictive. Uh, I feel like they should. I don't know what I want for them. I just want all the success in the world for these two guys in Amsterdam who are making these <laughs> rad games. So that yeah. is like my my thing that I'm way into right That's now. That's awesome. Is these, is kudos, Rusty Lake. Yeah. kudos to creative people, right? Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, speaking of games, I, I want to, if Jack will allow it, I'm going to ask one more question. <laughs> uh, Judge Jack, um, <laughs> what's your I, ruling? Uh, I do declare you may ask this question. <laughs> Um, so I, I, unless I'm mistaken, I, it do, doesn't look like you've done a lot of video game voiceover work. Um, you did the, the voiceover for the Legend of Korra video game. Um, have you considered doing some voiceover stuff for v- video games in the future? Is that something that you're not really interested in? Or um, I, you've done some voiceover work with video game actors, like with on yeah. Le- Legend of Korra. I, I've I've auditioned. I think I've only auditioned for like three video games at this point. Um, I, I for some a lot of the time I'm working and I don't I miss out on auditions hmm. for voiceover. Um, but I have definitely auditioned for at least three video games and nothing has come of it. So it's yeah. not like I'm the, they're breaking down my door. That said, 
uh, and I would happily do something. I mean, my God, I would love to do some of the, the video games that are out there, some of the really extraordinary ones. Um, uh, I, I would be very excited to be a part of. That said, it is way harder than just doing regular cartoons for the exact same reason that you brought up earlier, Phil, which is recording those fight sounds. Like yeah. so much of it is just grunts and screams and yells and punches and you know, all of those reaction sounds, uh, they're really hard. And, you know, when I think about someone like Jennifer Hale, who's just, you know, a voiceover hero of mine and, and an extraordinary human being, um, I don't know how she does it because when I was recording the, the Legend of Korra video game, like I, I almost lost my voice for a couple of days. Yeah. I mean, I was mm -hmm. kind of talking at a whisper because it was, it was such hard work. So if I'm lucky enough to get, you know, a, a a great uh, video game job, I will, I will happily do it, but um, I'm also a little terrified of that happening. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Janet, Jan, how can people connect with you? Um, what's the easiest way for people to kind of connect with you online? I mean, just call me. My phone number is... <laughs> oh, is it a 555? What? Uh, maybe I should restate that. I've never said that, that before uh, when someone's asked me that. Is social media? Um, I do like that, though. Yeah. I do appreciate that. Just give me that. a call. Just, guys, just give me a call. It's 1-800-JANET. Um, <laughs> also, that's funny because all of my friends would be like, you don't pick up the phone when it's me. What are you? But this is a... Why are you? Well, you could make a, maybe a non... A, like a 1-900... Well, never mind. A, never mind. Yeah. This went what? south. What? I didn't mean yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> One eight hundred sure, number. A real, a real breathy, intimate. Type I didn't mean that, but uh, call. Um, yeah, well, no. Uh, <laughs> I, so many things I could say uh, right now, but I won't. I'm sorry. I pre no. I listen. I appreciate it. I appreciate the um, get going close to that and then backing really far away from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Nothing good can happen uh, here. That's right. From, from that's there. Right. So. Um, I think he was meaning no, like I mean, Twitter. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Janet Varney uh, on Instagram. I've made it more complicated. I think someone already had Janet Varney, so I'm uh, the JV Club, which is Good. again my podcast name. Uh, my podcast is free. It's on iTunes, and it's Stitcher, great. Nerdist yeah. Network, anywhere you get podcasts. And I talk to far more famous and successful people about their awkward teenage years. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, my I, and then my my uh, website is just JanetVarney.com, which kind of connects you to all of this stuff, including riff tracks um, that we talked about. Okay, well, Janet, thank you so much for coming on. Um, next time you want to come on, let's pick a movie and we'll uh, talk about it. And it'll be. I'd be delighted. It'll I, be I love. I am a total movie nerd, and uh, I feel like I was playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon without Kevin Bacon being involved when I was a teenager. So that's awesome. Before it was a thing, it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Janet, thanks so much, and thanks, uh, guys. you are awesome. You guys are awesome. I'm excited to come back on and talk movies. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.